Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Grace or Grit, a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. Today, I don't know that we'll have that much controversy or debate, but I do believe our topic today is difficult, difficult to understand, difficult to care, and difficult to do something about. So we'll get into that as we go along here. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. And along with me today, as always, is my co-host, Patrick Reed. He is a pre-filled missionary with the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. I finally got it, Patrick. (laughs) Uh, He's on deputation trying to get to the Gambia and Africa. He's at about 85% of his support level. He also serves on the pastoral staff here with me in Herlock, along with his wife and wonderful children. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. Looking forward to uh, another great episode on Grace or Grit. Yeah, I heard from one of our listeners this morning, uh, reported that he's uh, really getting a lot of good stuff out of the podcast, so that's encouraging to know that somebody's being blessed by it. And joining us today for... Our discussion is a gentleman who serves as the pastor of Acts Christian Fellowship in New York City, Pastor Jairo Figueroa. Hope I got that name right. You got it right. (laughs) Did I get your church right? Yes, yes. Did I get your position right? Yes, the senior pastor, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, we're we're getting lots of hits here. Hira, welcome to Grace or Grit. Uh, I know you're from New York, but you're up in PA, so you must be doing great today. Is that true? Yes. Yes, I am. Getting some, some uh, fresh air in PA. That's awesome. Our listeners can't see us, but we can see each other, and I see you're surrounded by trees. So My people know I've never had a bad moment when I was around a bunch of trees. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's a nice background right here. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Jairo and I have been together a number of times as part of a pastor's coaching network. I don't know if you know what that is as a listener, but we have been meeting on a monthly basis, I don't know, eight or 10 months out of the year for a couple of years now with other pastors trying to learn from each other and, and from the experts and so forth and become better at what God has called us to do. And I've been casually watching High Row. I'm not a I'm not a very social person. I don't assume that people want to talk to me, so I just sit and watch and and listen. That's probably a bad thing. I'm confessing a fault, I suppose. But anyway, I've been casually watching him and listening to him interact with uh, Pastor Brian Moss for a couple of years now, and I'm always impressed with your spirit, uh, Pastor High Row. You've been a blessing and encouragement just by seeing the the cheer with which you live your life and uh, 
I thank you for that. And I thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your ministry. Uh, obviously, the listeners don't, uh, some of them anyway, won't know you. So tell us who you are, where you come from, what you're all about. Definitely, definitely. I, uh, I was born in Nicaragua. Uh, I migrated here when I was 11 years old. I did the crossing the border cool. and thing in Guatemala, Mexico, crossing the rivers. Yeah. Uh, I actually went to school when I was 11 years old right here in the United States. And I graduated business administration from, from here in New York. Uh, well, over there in New York, I'm PA right now on right. vacation. I was called to ministry. It was called to pastorship when I was 30 years old. Actually, when I was maybe 16, but that, that didn't materialize until I was uh, around 30 years old. And uh, so I started our ministry in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, one of the, one of the boroughs of, of New York's uh, city. Manhattan, the Bronx, um, Brooklyn, Staten Island, so one of the, part of that metropolis. So we started pastoring there along with my wife, Naomi, uh, who pretty much uh, runs the administration and executive part of the church. Uh, I have five children, I have four girls and uh, one boy. Uh, So we started pastoring in 2007. We started in a very conservative uh, movement, mainly Spanish, mainly Spanish, although we were uh, fluent in bilingual Spanish and English. And uh, the Latin American Council of Churches. Uh, But in 2014, 2015, uh, we noticed that uh, the vision was not quite uh, that of what the Church of Acts looks like, where people were coming together and God was adding people into the fall, into the church. Uh, we didn't see that, how can I say, uh, people going from home to home and from the temple and limited, limiting their, their indifferences, you know, making sure they they have something in common and we didn't see that so we we decided to to move and and be more bible based per se even though that's a little bit difficult in new york city you know a lot of challenges in new york city it's a very very liberal liberal uh city liberal state and uh we could talk about that later on but that's one of the main challenges when it comes to doing church in a, in a big city like that, metropolis like that. So, yeah, there's a little bit of me. <laughs> that is awesome. I, I could, and I feel, I feel so goofy. I feel like I'm walking through a museum. I know that sounds weird to you, but, uh, yeah. you know, there's so much of what you just said that we know exists in, in my little world but we don't ever rub shoulders with it. We don't ever encounter it, you know. It's yeah. just like, ooh, it's real. Tell me about that, you know. Uh, so I could spend the whole hour just listening to you tell me, tell me about uh, your particular story. Um, yeah, there was something that you said that caught my attention, that you are more uh, introverted, you know. Yes. That's that introverted point. Well, I've always been introverted. And, uh, huh. I think uh, 
meeting new people has uh has taken away that you sure. know intentionality is everything <laughs> when yes. you're introverted yes my wife is uh the extrovert of all extroverts uh she needs no schedule to meet people and do things with people it comes That's naturally right. she can't sit still she's ready to roll all the time uh i have to schedule <laughs> an interaction with a person in order to interact. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm learning and, and I, I definitely get great, um, satisfaction. I just preached about this this past Sunday. I get great satisfaction, satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in interacting with other believers, uh, people who have faith in Christ. When, when you said, you know, we wanted to, to, uh, make our church Bible based, you know, my heart leapt with joy on the inside because I know that's what the world needs, you know? And so there's tremendous uh, joy in my heart as I interact with uh, those who are God's children, but it's definitely a work of the spirit because it doesn't come naturally. Yes. Yes. There's something that, that you find out really quick. Yeah. That unless God is there, that was Moses said, right? Unless you can't, unless you go with me, I'm not going to go in there. It doesn't matter if it's the promised land. If you're not with me, I'm not coming with you. I'm not yep. going there. I mean, sure. Yep. No doubt. My mom is a pastor's wife and she, she's observed that it's amazing to her how many introverts God has called into the ministry and uh, people who naturally were not necessarily given to that or uh, would be willing. Um, so great stuff. And I'm sure some more of your story will come out as we go through here. So the topic for today is rural ministry as compared to urban ministry. And I mentioned that I believe this is a difficult topic. Uh, and I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm guessing I'm not alone. It's, it's difficult for me to understand what life is like in a big city. I drive through Baltimore, you know, I go to Baltimore, I come back out. I've been to a few big cities, I've never been to New York. It's difficult for me to understand you know, what the demands are, what the expectations are, what, what a day looks like, especially as a pastor. And, and speaking of being a pastor, by the way, you're, you're also bivocational, correct? Yes. Yes, I am. I have a full-time You job. have to tell us what you do for a living because it is so unique. All right. Um, <clears throat> I, I am a, a, a working horticulture in the horticulture department. So I'm in charge of a uh, uh, a crew of probably around 10 people. So we kind of maintain trees in a cemetery, more than 10,000 trees in Greenwood Cemetery, one of the biggest cemeteries in, uh, in the United States. I think Boston Cemetery probably is the biggest one. Uh, so that's the work that I do uh, constantly because of coronavirus. Uh, those departments, many of the departments in the cemetery, which is like a, a forest, uh, were closed down. And some of us uh, who had experience in the past in doing uh, graves and working in the crematory because we have certification, uh, they send us back to those jobs where that's where we're most needed uh, during, the, during this time of COVID and that they close all, all stores, all businesses except essential workers. So the cemetery uh, was considering essential business and essential for essential workers. 
So I was sent back to my position that I worked in maybe 10 years ago, which was in the crematory. Uh, and uh, so I was, I was uh, doing cremations during this time. Oh, I'm still doing cremations till the end of this week. I go back to work on Thursday. And then uh, starting Monday, I go back to my regular position, which is the supervisor of, of the horticulture department. Uh, so uh, that's what I've been doing. It's been, uh, it's been quite an experience to see so many people coming in. And, and for me, this has been my first, uh, my first pandemic and I'm dealing with it directly. So it's been challenging, it's been challenging, but at the same time, it's something that uh, is needed. Sure. We have people who have been uh, in freezers, you know, trailers for more than a month, more than two months. So we, can, we cannot stop that work. Family yeah. members wonder their loved ones. Amen. Well, so that's what yeah, I've been doing this time. And I'm glad you shared that because that really accentuates the difference in your world and ours. Um, because I don't know anybody who has died of Corona. I know of people, but I don't know anybody. Yes. I don't even, I can't think of anybody. <clears throat> I think of one that I know personally who's actually had it. They didn't pass away. So for us, it's all on TV. It's all on the news, yes. you know, and all the limitations feel useless, fruitless around here because we're not encountering it. So yes. just, uh, just the difference there in your experience and, and ours, uh, that's a great way to spring into this. I think that's why we're here in PA, you know, trying PA is more slowed down. You, know? you don't see that many cases in here. So we tried to take our family to get some fresh air and get out. We were actually in our, inside our house for weeks, you know, because that was the recommendation. I got sick with coronavirus in April 1st. So because of that, because of staying in home orders, my whole family got sick as well with the virus. But thank, thank God that my children, it was probably couple of hours, one day. Uh, my oldest probably got sick for a week. And that's about it. So uh, it's been difficult. I guess it's a different world out here. Sure. When you go to, to, to the sure. countryside. And you have now, I'm really fuzzy on the details here. You have someone who works with you in your church uh, in ministry somehow who got it and thought he was going to die. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we have a, we have a worship pastor. He was sick for almost three weeks, so he was experiencing fever for all those three weeks. So for everybody, is is different. You have some yeah. people in, in our church uh, that was sick for two days, just with the, they lost the taste and lost the smell. But our whole uh, worship team got sick. So at some point we had to record some of the of the music because we were missing people. So wow. It was challenging. Amazing. So it's hard for me to wrap my brain around what you've been going through. Uh, I, I do care, but without speaking to you, the 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 care would just 
it'd be intellectual Definitely. if that makes any sense. It would be yes. an assent to the reality that some people are suffering, you know, but it, it wouldn't uh, cause me to yearn to do something about it or to be a blessing. And, you know, as I look at, you said the name of your church is Acts uh, Christian Church. You know, as you look at the book of Acts and at the epistles, clearly the interactions between all the churches, it seems, in the world through the Apostle Paul many times, but uh, they were deep. They were real. Yes, um, definitely. And they were a blessing to each other in, in major ways. You know, sending ministers out from their local body to other places and sending funds and, you know, interacting with letters and so forth. And it's a tragedy to me. And I know you, you can't know everybody and you can't speak to everybody. I understand that. But it's a tragedy to me that uh, at least the American church, as I see it, has, uh, has become so divided over the past, you know, couple hundred years. Uh, and even just within, you know, we're, we're Baptists over here in Herlock, even within the Baptist circles, you got Southern Baptist, you got Independent Baptist, you got Northern Baptist, General Association of Regular Baptist, and American Baptist, and Free Will Baptist, and the list goes on and on. You get down in the South, you got Primitive Baptist and Missionary Baptist, and they don't associate with each other. I mean, for the most part, everybody stays in their little circle and just kind of looks out the window at the rest of them going, I don't know what's wrong with you guys, you know. And it's just, it's, it's a tragedy to me because clearly, God is working in great ways in a variety of places in a variety of settings. And we're going to spend eternity together in heaven. So, you know, why not Amen. get to know, know each other now and contribute to um, each other's ministry? Well, let's get going with this thing. When God made mankind, he put us in a garden. When he described our future, though, he seems to put us in a city, at least in part. I mean, the new world, new, new earth is definitely going to have uh, uh, garden in it, no doubt. It's going to be a wonderful place. But Abraham looked for a city, the Bible says, that had foundations whose builder and maker is God. So like I said earlier, on the surface, this topic might not sound like it fits the bill for grace or grit, but it is a difficult is issue. The expectations and hurdles that you as a pastor face in your urban ministry and the challenges that I face in my little country church here in a small town are not necessarily the same. Of course, we have the same gospel. We have the same Savior. We have the same Bible. But there are also a lot of differences. So I want us to talk about the challenges of our ministry and look for some similarities and differences uh, that our circumstances present. And perhaps we can learn from each other and come to appreciate and better support ministries that are not necessarily like ours. So here's our springboard, though. I think we want to start here. My wife, Hiro, wants me to go to New York City. She wants me to take her to New York City. Okay. I'm well, scared of New York City. <laughs> I don't want to go. So talk me into coming. Well, one of the great things about New York City is that it's, uh, it's multicultural. So we have learned to be uh, more acceptable than other places. So you get to see, I have to tell you, the news over here, they, uh, they're so biased. They only show you the worst part. And uh, I guess when we have bias in us, we always focus on the worst part. 
But the great thing about New York City is that multicultural. So we have gotten to, we get, we like to get to know people and you know, we are more accepting of, of different people per se. Uh, that's one of the, that's one of the strengths I would have to say when it comes to that. This, I, I would not recommend it at this moment <laughs> because, uh, because of COVID. But it's a great a place to come. It's, it has a lot of a lot of history, and uh, I guess you could take something something back when it comes to to that part. Able to see other other places, so <clears throat> our mind can be uh, how can I say uh, change and <laughs> repent <laughs> on how we feel about certain things. Uh, so it's, it's New York City is a is a great place. So it's, it's not so bad to come to visit, even though I'm seeing a lot of people exiting right now in New York City, but because of the pandemic, right? Sure. But uh, yeah, you'll be welcome over here. So should I wear my overalls? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could wear whatever you want. <laughs> they won't know That's care. the good thing, yeah. You will not, you will not be single out. Okay. See, that's small town. You know, if you walk through town and you're not normally walking through town, everybody's going to notice. And they'll be, who is that? Why are they here? Yeah. So Patrick's going to the Gambia and will actually be ministering out in the bush. I think I'm using the right terminology in the jungle there, whatever, at, at times for a time. And then uh, in town, he hasn't actually told me how big the city is, where the compound is. Um, what's the difference there for Patrick? Tell us what's the difference in what you anticipate when you first go out there and you're out in the, the medical clinic and then in town, tell us about that. Yeah, it's probably a, a far bigger difference than uh, Herlock in New York is. <laughs> so uh, in the, the village of Ndugu Kepe, it's, um, you know, you have mud huts and thatch roofs and no electricity and, um, you know, very, 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 very poor uh, and then you go into the capital city of Banjul, um, and there's certainly still poverty, as there is in, in most cities. Uh, but you also have richer areas as well. And uh, <clears throat> that town has, I mean, the, the, uh, uh, the village has, I think it's um, a population of 4,000, I believe. Um, so probably not that much different than Herlock, really. And then uh, the capital city of Banjul is where really most of the people in the whole country live. So it's a couple million uh, people in the, in the city, the capital city. So very, very different, I guess you would say. It's also an international city. So a, a lot like New York, you have a lot of different cultures that come in, not just Gambians who live there, but uh, people from all sorts of nations come in. And you have a lot of tourism, so you get a lot of Europeans that then come into the beaches and the resort hotels and things like that. Uh, so you get a big mix of different people, uh, conglomeration, I guess you would say. Uh, so significantly different between the, the two places. And I, I would say, I mean, I spent time in New York City and a lot of big cities. And, you know, I guess I'm comfortable in both of those places, both in rural herlock and in you know big cities with skyscrapers and such but it's not nearly as big of a difference to me as uh, what i saw between the difference of the capital banjul and a village that has no electricity no running water you know just none of the 
what we would consider normal conveniences of life. So Sure. So Hiro, tell us some of the challenges that you face as, as a pastor. What are some of the things that, um, that really make fulfilling your calling a challenge there in New York? Yeah, we, we have been uh, knowing where, where you're at and, and the culture is extremely important. Even though New York City is multicultural and people are accepting of each other, uh, not in all cases, people pretty much stays to themselves. Uh, for example, if I'm a Latino pastor, my uh, general as a Latino as a Latino uh, ministry, in general, people who are going to come to your church are Spanish people, you know. Even when, with those uh, uh, classification, you also have Latinos from different countries. So people will be more uh, able to come to a church where you have a pastor that's Puerto Rican, which was Puerto Ricans were mainly the evangelist uh, uh, ministers through uh, South and Central America for a long time, in the 1950s, 1960s. Uh, that has changed. But people were, were more uh, susceptible to go to those uh, pastors, I guess, because they were able to, to manipulate both languages. Um, so being able to, to cross culture within the Spanish uh, uh, congregation, within the Spanish culture, to assimilate was, is something very important. Because you, you, you even have divisions when it comes to that. So for me, I, I come from Nicaragua. So I was raised here. Most of my, I have part of my family, they're from Puerto Rico. And I, I marry a woman of Puerto Rican descent. So that was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor of, of Puerto Ricans. It's a lot of my congregations made up of, of Puerto Ricans, bilingual. Uh, it has changed over the years, 75%. And the ages between 25 and 35 uh, graduate uh, from college. Uh, and I still have some of their, uh, the old crew, you say the old people that were there when I first came in, uh, that are in the 60s. So some of the challenges is, is how can you cross culture, you know, even within the Latino culture? For example, I'm in, a, I'm in a place where there's a lot of Mexicans. Yeah, I don't have one Mexican in my church mm. because it, my church is not made up of that. You know, they usually go to Spanish speaking only, only pastors. Uh, and so that's one of the challenges, your culture that is there. You have many churches in Brooklyn. You could have churches. As, as I noticed that when I went to Maryland, the churches out within a distance of each other, you know? So they have a certain concentration of people. Uh, most people travel, they take the cars. In, in Brooklyn, you could walk to your church. You could take the train and go to your church. You have, there's a strip of churches in, in the avenue where I'm at. I would say 15 blocks from where I'm at, uh, about a mile and a half, that you have churches within one block of each other. And you have maybe like 15 churches like that. So I don't know how are they surviving. 
But at the same time, you have different kind of people going to those churches, different kind of cultures going to those churches. You will have, you will have Koreans, you will have Chinese, you will have uh, uh, white, you will have black churches, Spanish churches, but none of them, you know, can, can you see a cross culture? So that's one of the challenges that even you, that you in New York City is people still stick to themselves, you know? The only uh, thing that I see that breaks that is education. You could have a different culture, a different background, but if you have the same level of education, you are able to make that, that uh, cross-cultural. You know, I've seen in a lot of, a lot of churches, and uh, we see in those differences in our church too, that because of education, because we have people who are, have been educated, they are bringing other people that are not necessarily uh, Latinos. Some of them are black, some of them are white. So we see in that change. So that's the challenge. How can you remember our mindset has always been a, a, a Latino mindset. So we, we usually gear to, to reaching out to those people. Uh, one day though, I remember going to this, uh, this, uh, it was called Youth Explosion. It was a ministry. And in there, there was a, they made a, a skit where they were giving a bread to somebody that was poor and that person was taking it, you know? And then you came to the big city, right? And they put this pallet of bread and just dumped it on, on that person and he didn't want it. He didn't <laughs> want it. So <laughs> you have to take the gospel to people who want it. It doesn't matter what culture they are. And that's what we're trying. Well, that's what we see. You know, our, our challenges are, you know, we have a, I think the biggest challenge is having a liberal mindset, you know, that all goes, you know. Sure. You have, everybody has their truth and let's agree with each other. There's, there's, there's that challenge that you have a liberal mentality. We live in a very emotional culture as well, among some of the things. So, Patrick, based on what he just said, what similarities do you pick up there between what he faces and what we face? And what are some of the unique things that you're like, yeah, we don't really have to deal with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things I picked up on was how he was talking about cultural differences. And um, while we don't face nearly the same level, I would say, of cultural differences as you have in a big city because you have so many different cultures coming together, we certainly do have clashing cultures, really, I would say, just a couple, whereas New York probably has hundreds, I would guess. Um, but that's something I think we face. That's something that, I mean, that that's not unique really to anywhere in the world. I saw it in the Gambia. Um, you know, they had a church there that... Um, was set up uh, and they weren't uh, Wolof speakers for the most part. And there's a real division between different tribes and such. And so they really wanted to get Wolof people, but nobody in the church really wanted to have any of the Wolof people there. They didn't even want to start a separate service with a different language. You know, they were, they had issues with that. And um, so I, I think you just see that all around the world, no matter where you are, people are always looking for the differences in other people and why they want to separate from them. Uh, even Christians, unfortunately. 
<clears throat> so yeah, I guess those are some similarities that I would see that, that we both have, but on the, the same side of that, you know, we, we don't have, um, for example, much language differences, you know, here in Herlock. I mean, everybody speaks English and it would be very rare to find someone that, that doesn't speak English, but you know, I, I know from being in New York, there's lots of people that speak a lot of different languages when you go there. I mean, you go to parts of the city where everybody's speaking Chinese and other parts of the city where everybody's speaking Spanish and, you know, just almost like small little countries within the city seem to occur. And that's just not something that we face at all here in Herlock for the most part. There, there's some division, but it's, it's, not the, it's not to that level, if that makes sense. Hira, you, you actually conduct your service in both English and Bil Spanish, is that correct? Bilingual, because we have both crowds. Like I said, uh, we have a lot of the children that were born and grew up in church, and their, their strength is English. So we do uh, English and Spanish. I do mostly the, the Spanish version, because uh, I don't think nobody in the ministry is as fluent in Spanish uh, as I am. But yes, yes, but we still have a crowd of the 25% of our membership is still from the all guard, you know, uh, who have been the pillars of that church, who lift up the, the, the church. Uh, our church been around since 1968. So, you know, some of the changes we made when in 2014, but I was pastoring since 2007. So there's a culture within a culture that I had to be very careful, you know, how sure. can I, how can I uh, grow as a church, keeping the current membership and at the same time attending the needs of the new, the new generation, you know, so we had to do that in a very uh, slow manner. It's a lot more difficult than planting a church. That challenge we share. Uh, and that, yeah. that probably is true in, in every church. Uh, so you have to tell me, how's my Spanish here? Uh, yo soy el camino y la verdad y la vida, Juan 14 ah. So what did I just say? I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14. Amen. That's about the end of my Spray Spanish there. right there. <laughs> that's good. Uh, so that's all I can say to my Spanish neighbors. Hopefully they can figure it out. Um, so I did notice something very different. Your culture is primary, primarily a liberal culture, uh, to speak plainly. Probably most of them, if they were voting, would vote Democrat. Around here, it seems to be the opposite. Yes. Most yes. people are conservative. Well, There's probably, a, at least among those that we uh, encounter a lot naturally in our circles, a lot more Republican feel in this culture. And that has its own challenge. Because yes. they feel like they're already, they're already on this side. You know, it's like, I don't need to, to do anything or learn anything or be anything. We're on the same team, yeah. you know. And, the, and yeah. so I think there's a unique challenge there. Maybe still easier than trying to speak to someone who sees the world completely different. There's some hot buttons when you talk about politics over here. I guess, I don't know, Maryland. But over here is a... Is a issue of contention you know when it comes to speaking about who you're going to vote for you don't it's uh being a republican here is very challenging 
Um, you, you know, they, they don't think you are smart enough. Uh, you don't have the education. Like I said, I would say uh, uh, liberals were known to be educated, do some critical thinking when it came to, uh, to issues like this. I went to school and most of my, my studies were in critical thinking and philosophy. And, and that's what we were taught, you know, how to differentiate people uh, and between premises and truth and, and fallacies. That doesn't longer play a role over here. Feelings is, is how I feel is how things should go, you know. But if your feelings are contrary to what the, the majority, which is the you know, Democrats, you are really chastised over here. So mm. we still got to hold on to our convictions. I don't think uh, Donald Trump per se is, is the greatest man in the world. Well, no one is. Right. No one is. It's the president that we have. Uh, and I think for the church, for my part, when, when I uh, examine what he's doing from the church perspective, uh, the church is in a lot better stand than it was a couple of years ago when sure. there was a lot of changes when it came to, to abortion, gay marriages, and, uh, and even the church being investigated at times. We've never seen that before, when the church would be investigated by the IRS. So those, yeah. those things are things that, that scare us. Uh, I don't know how about, how was it over there for you guys? Um, but holding that, holding that position over here is a, you have to have a balance. Because at the end of the day, we are not Republicans. We are not Democrats. We are Christ followers. We still right. got to bring the gospel. At the end of the day, the only thing that makes sense is the gospel. So we have to always be careful not to get into that environment. Yes, we look for what is best for Christ and best for the church and best to, 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 to reach the people of, uh, of, of multi-cultures. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are Christ. And I think that's, that's the one thing that the church as a whole, the church as a whole, regardless of where you are, that's what we have to come down to. Amen. See, my challenge is to avoid self-righteousness and the pep rally mentality. Um, because for you, politics is contentious if you get into it in your church or in your community. Around here, it's more like, well, you can always just resort to making fun of Joe Biden and everybody will laugh. You know, uh, you can always just throw out the red meat, you know, of conservative values and suddenly we're all on the same team and we forget what we don't like, you know, about each other. Yeah. So, but that doesn't, it doesn't challenge us. It doesn't help us to grow. And so uh, I, I actually fear that maybe some people think at times that maybe I'll have some liberal leanings politically. I don't, I just don't want to uh, only go around, you know, us patting each other on the head con congratulating ourselves on how wonderful we are. Because uh, that's not going to help anybody, you know. So I try to challenge uh, the folks here as best I can. But that's definitely something that's uh, quite different. Well, you know, you, you brought in Abraham and his journey. And Abraham was called to, to sanctification, to separate himself, but not to isolate himself. And I think that was, that's what we have done in the past uh, decades. Uh, we have isolated ourselves 
even even in the the big cities, we, we tend to isolate ourselves. We stay within our own group, our own uh, train of thought. In, in, in our case, we try to find a balance for the only purpose to bring the gospel. You know, that's, that's when it comes to us. Paul said, you know, I try to find something in common with people so I could bring the gospel. So we, we could talk later on when, about evangelism in the city, how, how we've been trying to do it. Uh, because in the city, preaching in the streets like, like we used to, or, you know, getting into people's faces, it's no longer effective. So to trying to do that and, and not getting no results, you, you have to have some fruits. So we had to start a new, 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 start a new methods when it came to evangelism. So eventually, I hope to do a podcast on, uh, and Patrick, you might have to help me with my terminology here, attractional evangelism as opposed to missional. Is that the right word? What, what basically is your strategy there? Let me ask you this, because um, I'm totally ignorant on this fact. You know, here we have a piece of property, we have a building, we have a steeple, we have a sign that says Grace Baptist Church. In your community, how do, what is your situation? How do people know who you are and where you are? Uh, most of the, uh, it's through advertisement, you know, uh, most of it, any, any place could be used as a house of worship. We, we've been using our building, our regular building for, for some time, but because the church is growing, that's becoming obsolete for us. So we probably looking into renting a school, uh, or some, some other bigger place because, uh, the place is becoming small. For us, evangelism, as it, we, <laughs> we have done different type of things. Uh, so like I said, I went to South Korea, and there was strictly Christ, you know, Christ-centered, Christ-centered. They all preach Christ. Uh, and uh, I guess that's one of the things that really uh, uh, focused me on, on what was the, the, the method, but it was not always uh, effective. Like I said, the culture part, we, we always have to include that. In New York City, people want to do something good to feel good. They want to feel morally good. I'm doing this. I'm feeding the homeless. So they feel a sense of uh, fulfillment. But we know that that's not true. Only Christ can fulfill you. So what we have done is that we have started different uh, type of social work. We work with the homeless. We establish a one of. We saw where there was a need that was not being filled. Uh, for example, we had a lot of homeless, and people were complaining about them not taking showers, that they smell, that we get into the trains. So what we did is that we we partnered with two churches, you know, and we invested finances. And one of them donated a space. So we built four showers. And in there, we were giving them food, breakfast, and lunch. And we allowed them to take showers throughout the, the, the once, once a week. Uh, we also provided medical services for them, you know, as, as we able, haircuts and things like that. So those things become attractive for the people, for your culture, because that's, that's what they want to that's what they, they wanna get involved in. What we also started doing is bringing people that that were not Christian and see how could they serve. 
And at the same time, you know, the gospel was being heard by them while we were preaching it to the homeless. So it was one way to do it. We work with another ministry that's called Holding Hands Ministry that right now is feeding over 2,000 people in, in our area. Uh, it's, it's been crazy. I've never seen these lines before for people coming for food. Remember, a lot of our community that was working in the restaurant industry, a lot of those people are not making any money. Some of them work out of tips, you know, and off the books. So we're seeing these families coming. Uh, picking up food. So we have seen a source of people uh, educated of different cultures coming and trying to help. So this, in that way, even though in that, in that scenario, we cannot preach because we don't have control of it for being donated by the federal government, by the government. They are seeing what the church is doing. Sure. It's another way for evangelizing. So, this is one of the methods where the gospel is being preached without being without preach, you know, sort of a, uh, Esther, when uh, she was going to the king, you don't hear mention of God, but you know, God was in the middle of that. Sure. So, amen. So that's one of the things that we have started doing. That's awesome. So you're fulfilling, you know, our responsibility of loving your neighbors yourself. You're also getting name recognition out in the community so that they, when they have spiritual issues and questions that yes. come to mind uh, and you're building relationships uh, so that you're able to, but your goal of course is to get the gospel to them. That's the ultimate goal. At the end of the day, that's, that's, that's what we try to do. That's the end. That's sure. the end goal. Sure. That's awesome. Patrick, what you thinking, man? Well, I was thinking about the differences related to between urban and um, country or, rural or whatever you want to call it, ministries, uh, particularly as it relates to politics, uh, because most, I would say most rural areas you go to seem to be more conservative and most urban areas you go to seem to be more liberal, just generally speaking, not, that may not always be the case. I mean, I came from, uh, the other side of Maryland, which is the central Maryland, I guess is technically where it is. And it's very, uh, very liberal in most places there. So I, I get what you're talking about when you say it's just very uncomfortable to talk about politics at all because you're looked down upon, you're the minority at that point uh, versus living here in Herlock where, you know, a large majority of the folks here are conservative. Um, one of the challenges I think I see actually here in the rural area, in the more conservative area, is that it seems somehow that conservatism gets mixed up actually with Christianity. Um, in other words, somehow it's almost like unless you're a conservative, you're not a Christian and vice versa. Um, and somehow conservative ideas actually become as though they're biblical ideas, even though sometimes they're not biblical ideas. Sometimes they are biblical ideas, but, but many times we can tie up that and even patriotism, which seems to be the new conservative within the conservative movement, uh, particularly I think with uh, Donald Trump and make America great again, has created this new almost uh, patriotic movement within the conservative movement. And uh, it's almost like somehow that's gotten tied into Christianity. Um, and 
I think it's created some unique challenges, at least here for us, because um, people start getting some very strange ideas uh, that they they really start to put some of the ideas that you get from these movements as though they're a doctrine or a biblical uh, truth uh, when they're really not. Now, the opposite of that, of course, is what's happening in liberalism, where it's almost like they, they will take truths that they have, it seems like, uh, or things that they think are truths within um, a liberal mindset, and they will then start trying to change what the Bible says or change how they interpret the Bible to try to line up with those beliefs. Um, and so it seems like it's happening on both sides, just maybe in different directions almost. So I was just kind of wondering what you all thought about that and how how we can fight against that and going back to just what the Bible says is what's true and not what, you know, Republicans or Democrats or, or anybody else say is true. We need to go back to the Bible as our source of the truth. And there was, there was this, um, this call I would say, between uh, Paul and, and Peter, where you have uh, a, a different point of view when it comes to dealing with people. And uh, we know that Peter wanted to, to be with the Gentiles uh, when nobody else was looking. And then all of a sudden, when the, the Jews used to come, uh, he would go to the other side creating indifferences. Uh, Paul came and he called his attention. I think as believers, we have to do that on each other. I think it's, 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 it's a lot more acceptable when we can, can confront these issues with love and by the truth we're saying, we're at the same time, that Christ was, uh, was this for both, for people who are conservative and for people who have a liberal mentality, but there has to be a, a balance. They have to be a balance. Uh, and it's true what you say when it comes to politics. Sometimes we let politics come so much and, and we defend a, a liberal leader or conservative leader because he sides somewhat with our point of view. But at the end of the day, uh, where is Christ, you know, as a whole? Uh, for example, we saw Trump coming out with a Bible in one of the churches, I think, uh, Washington. And I guess to contrast, uh, to contrast that, uh, Cuomo came in in New York and he took out the Bible and he started reading excerpts from the Bible. Uh, and we know that Cuomo is as liberal as they come. He extended the, the, the timing of abortion. Uh, so that's one of the uh, greatest controversies. Uh, how can something be acceptable as that? Uh, but at the same time, uh, we need to understand that the church is, 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 is in the middle of that. The church is to bring Christ, to bring peace, to bring healing. And if we're not doing that, then we're not doing our job. We are supposed to bring the bridge uh, between cultures and between differences. You know, one of the great things that I like about our ministry, David, is uh, Pastor Brian. You know, he has managed to get group of pastors together that are of different culture, different colors, you know, and not that to say uh, we, we colorblind. We know that there are differences. We know there are differences, uh, but at the same time, Christ has to be bigger than everything else that comes outside of that. There are differences. We're always going to have differences, financial, uh, uh, you know, cultural 
educational differences. They're always going to be there. So how can we, you know, let Christ be the bigger aspect of everything that we do? And I think that we have, we have not come that church. The church is sleeping. The church has not come, become one. The church is the stronger or, uh, organization in this country. But we are so divided. We are so divided in politics. We're so divided when it comes to, to, to culture and, 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 and ways of doing things. But the one thing that we have that is our biggest strength, we're not using it, which is Christ. You know, At the end of the day, we're here to, to bring people to God. You know, making mature believers, you know, to hold his commandments, not on, not so much our nation commandments, our nation laws. That could be, uh, 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 we could work with that. That could be negotiable. The gospel is not. And I think that's, that's what we have to put culture and, and colors to the side and just bring Christ. That's the only thing that's going to unite our country. On both ends of, of the spheres, when it comes to liberals and conservatives. Amen. Amen to that. Well, I, I look for practical ways to take the things that we talk about. In my heart, I look for practical ways um, to make a difference, to do something different, to be different, other than just to be smarter. Uh, knowledge puffs us up, but charity edifies And I actually have a lady in my church who has asked me to connect her with a Christian lady somewhere else. She wants to interact on a devotional level with someone who she can just be totally transparent with because there's no danger of them walking into church and saying, ah, I know this about you, you know. So uh, I would challenge you, Hiro. You don't have to commit to it here, but uh, I'll uh, I'll get this uh, information to you. And if we could get maybe... Uh, this lady connected with somebody in your church and they can be a blessing to each other. And that kind of uh, friendship, you know, we, we encourage it between pastors and evangelists and missionaries. You know, we encourage it. We recognize the value of these interactions, but a lot of times we leave our people behind and just let them sit in their little comfortable bubble when challenge them. Yes. Yes. We should challenge them. And it's an, and it's not just not net, it's not negative. It's positive. It's uh, a, it's an opportunity, you know, that they're, they're missing out on something that I get to enjoy as I interact with believers in other places. And, and it tempers us. It, it should humble us. It, it does me when I recognize, yeah, I thought I had that figured out. And then he said this, and now I'm not so sure, you know, and, and we, we lower our uh, idea of ourselves when we encounter other people that God is blessing and God is using, even though we don't see maybe everything eye to eye with that person. But we do see Christ the same, as you pointed Definitely. out. And uh, man, if I, if we get our people uh, to buy into that, uh, how much better. And, and to see the whole world, you know, we see the whole world through the eyes of Patrick. You know, Patrick's going to reach Amen. the Gambia. Go, Patrick. That's you know, a really we're supposed to reach the world. Just, just thinking about this concept, I was thinking about my own life. And um, before I used to travel very much, Uh, Before I'd ever left the country or or done any sort of, you know, real travel, my mind was so closed to other cultures and so closed to other people. And I was so stuck in my own ways. Um, But as you start to travel, as you go other places, as you you get out and meet uh, people of different cultural um, values and uh, things of that nature. You know, I remember the first time I went to Japan 
um, just how much even a week there, you know, a week and a half or whatever changed my perspective uh, on how other people live uh, in different parts of the world and then just even different parts of our own country here in the United States. Um, I think I think that's one of the struggles that we have uh, as a rural church. If you were to ask, I think most of the members, most of the people that attend our church, you know, do you ever plan on leaving Herlock, uh, you know, permanently? Almost nobody would say that they were going to leave the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, and even vacationing, that's even rare on, on its own to go to, you know, places around the country, um, let alone if you were to ask them, hey, you're going to leave the country. Oh, my goodness, there would be this fear that would come up in them. And they'd be like, I can't leave the country. You know, I, I'm afraid to even get on an airplane. You know, um, and I think that's a challenge and maybe that is something we need to do is, you know, even if we can't challenge folks to uh, actually go someplace, maybe we can at least figure out how to get them to interact with people from other places, because it certainly starts to change your view of um, of people and, and what our world is really like instead of just the narrow view that we see here in our, our current situation. Definitely, that's that's a that's a great idea, uh, great thought. I remember back in the days, you uh, come from the Pentecostal movement. You guys are Baptists, uh, so we, we we were part of Pentecostal churches. So Pentecostal was big, the movement, the Holy Spirit, and all of that. So we used to visit different churches. The problem with that was that we were visiting each other's churches. We were synchronicity, you know, within the same culture and everything, but we were not meeting no people. And I think, I think the, one of the things that have worked for us is that we have partnered with, with churches of different ethnicity. And we have partnered to do certain social work for the community. You know, we found that in common. There's a need there. We could get people together to fulfill that need together. You know, it's just finding a bridge, finding somebody to say, hey, and being intentional. Remember, David, being intentional. Hey, uh, let's see if we could do this, finding a pastor that's within our community and be able to sort of interact and prepare something that is uh, worthwhile. And it has a, a uh, missional aspect to it. Amen. Well, we could, uh, we could go on and on, but I want to conclude by saying in summary, Heaven is a cosmopolitan metropolis. It is. Amen. Amen. There's no doubt about it. You look up the words, that's, that's what it is. John, John, I think it says, right? John 3, 16, for God loved the world. That word in Greek is cosmos. <laughs> yes. So God came to save the cosmopolitan area. Definitely. I agree with you, David. Yeah. So last week's podcast has had to do with ethnicity and ethnic division and how we can uh, bridge that gap. But this is also a gap, uh, rural, uh, urban, conservative, you know, liberal. But, you know, Christ has sent us as ministers of the kingdom. And, you know, he said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. And I know his kingdom is coming and I know he is coming, but... Um, it is my calling and it is my burden to um, be used of God to establish the kingdom of God in the hearts of men, women, boys and girls, urban or rural, black or white, doesn't matter, Latino, it doesn't matter. 
Christ died for the cosmos, died for the whole world. He loves the whole world. And, um, and for us to love our neighbors ourselves, you know, the guy said, well, who is my neighbor? You know, uh, and, and the Samaritan, you know, different ethnic group, uh, not in his neighborhood. It didn't matter. It was an opportunity for him to show the love of God to the, to the uh, guy who was laying in the ditch. And, uh, we do. We need to be intentional. I need to be intentional, and I encourage my people to be intentional and to break out of their shell and uh, to look beyond themselves and to see what God can do. I believe God is still calling ministers uh, into the harvest to take the gospel to the world. And I believe here at Grace Baptist, I can't speak for you, but here at Grace Baptist, we got a lot of people that God could use to do tremendous things beyond our little county. And, uh, you know, if God wants to bring great revival here through them, that's great, too. But uh, there are people all over the place that need the gospel. And uh, even in New York City, uh, Jesus saves today. And uh, Amen. thrilled about that. Well, I know where we can start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. You can, you can cut this out if you want to, or you can leave it. That's up to you. Uh, <laughs> maybe depending on your choice. But maybe if your wife wants to go to New York, maybe you need to start by going to New York City and Ah! our new friend here and uh, get yourself out and go to some new places. <laughs> yes, I know you are right. You are absolutely right. I made a commitment to my Sunday school class two years ago to hold a neighborhood barbecue on my back porch, and I still haven't done that. Uh, so that's how much of a struggle it is for me to get beyond my uh, my little comfort zone. And it's uh, it's an evil burden that I've got to uh, cast off for sure. But you're right. And I'm afraid to go to the mission field. I'm afraid to go visit a missionary because I'm afraid God will call me there. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm like, no, I'm happy where I am. You know, I don't want to come see the Gambia because I might end up being there, you know, and uh, it's, it's humorous, but it's tragic at the same time because uh, you know, God has a right to do anything he wants to with any of us. And, and we'll only be happy in his will anyway. So, you're right, Patrick. It starts with me. I've got to get the right perspective there. Confession well, is a great thing, huh? <laughs> confession is good for the soul. You're right. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may Amen. be healed. So pray for me that I'll be healed of, of my fear. Which well, is, this is uh, a good start, Pastor David. I really appreciate uh, coming in. I think well, uh, we are better men because of this. Sure thing. Know, I, and having the privilege to speak a lot more. Sure thing. And, and I just want to tell you, don't want to embarrass you, but it is your joy and your spirit that attracted me. Because I do know, even though I'm not a great friend, I do know a lot of pastors. I encounter a lot of pastors in a lot of different circles that I attempt to get my way into. And uh, your, your face and your, and your scenario just kept coming to my mind. And it was your joy uh, and your humility and the simplicity of your presentation of your um, of your walk with Christ, even in your interactions with Brian, that I was like, I've got to, I've got to tap into that. I got to grab a hold of some of that. So, uh, praise God and thank you for yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to work through you. Oh, oh glory to God! Yes, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Grace or Grit. Thank you, Reverend Jairo Figueroa. Amen. For being with us today. Thank you, Patrick, uh, again, as always, for spending time with me.
I pray for God's richest blessings on both of you and your unique ministries, as well as on all of our listeners. May we all serve the Lord together faithfully here in small town America and there in big city America for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.